Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and I'm happy to say that after something of a summer break and a couple of false starts as I worked through the PAC to MC, PAC, PAC, blah, the PC to Mac life conversion, if I speak if I can speak English correctly, we've finally gotten another pod episode published to the blog and right in time too, considering we're just about two weeks away from the official start of the NFL season. So given that, I've got Hail to the District Zone Pat Rice on the line with me as we do the first of our two-part preview for the Washington Redskins 2018-2019 season. So Pat, how's it going and how are you feeling about what we've seen in the preseason so far? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's going well. Thanks, thanks for asking. Glad to get back on the line with 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 you. Um, you know, to be to be totally frank, I haven't seen a t- ton uh, during the preseason. I was disgusted after the Geis injury and uh, and like terrified to watch. Uh, so uh, I'm excited to dive into this because all I've done is read, but now we get to talk about it. So hopefully, this leads to a good showing tomorrow Friday night uh, at home against the Broncos. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the Geis injury very, very soon. But for the listeners, so what we're going to do is this, basically. Our preview is split up into two parts, spanning what we think are the 10 most important storylines of the Redskins' upcoming season, in no particular order for the most part. But we kind of split it up over 10 storylines with today, starting with 10 through 6. And then we'll do part two with maybe 5 through number 1. And we'll go ahead and start right off, since Pat teed it up right there with the first one of today's pod being the mess that the running back depth chart is right now. Um, we can't start without talking about Darius Geis. I've said that, and I mean, at the risk of hyperbole or recency bias or whatever you want to call it, it was one of the biggest gut punches of the preseason we felt in, I mean, years. Like I said, the three most like, like most like you just want to throw up injuries were RG three, obviously after the Seattle game where you just life was never the same after that, literally franchise altering trade injury um for the what those of you remember remember when gibbs first came back in 2004 and john jansen blew out his achilles in that hall of fame game in the preseason and then old man ray brown had to play right tackle and it was just it was a shit show and like john jansen was at that time was like the stalwart along the offensive line like that one really sucked and i think geist frankly speaking was was right up there especially considering how much promise he had how well he was taking to the city i mean how you know how much we were going to be depending on him for the running game and now this yeah I've, you know for, for for me i love the jansen piece to that right like i remember the hall of fame game i think it was sean taylor's first ever game yep gibbs was back i mean the the hype train around the redskins was uh probably bigger than it usually is and that speaks uh you know volumes for itself um but you know for for guys it's it's tough right i am a huge defender of Gruden. I, I, I love him. Um, partially because I just want to drink beers with him. <laughs> you know, he, his offensive scheme is brilliant. Um, you know, I, I am definitely a skins fan who, who wish washed on cousins went back and forth on him. Um, ultimately I, I do think Gruden's scheme allowed him to become good, but the thing we've been missing has been the running game. Um, you know, Kelly's really since the Packers game two years ago, only really had one good game. He got hurt in that game against the Rams. Um, and then I think back to the Saints game, you know, last year, which was just, you know, I'll leave it at that. We needed one yard, and we win that game. Uh, the running game was just not there, uh, and Geis provided that. He was, I mean, I was, I mean, I was pumped to have him on the team. You know, he, I, 
powerful. You know, he can move. He's downhill. Fournette even came out and said he thought he was better than he was. Um, you know, so to me, it's, it is that big of a gut punch, right? Like I think Gruden finally had, you know, what he viewed as the pieces to, to make his, uh, offense take off. And then literally what was it? His sixth touch of his NFL career. He, he gets dragged down and he gets tangled up and bing, bang, boom, you know, there goes the ACL. I, I agree with you. I, in my lifetime, it's, it's as big of an injury as I think is we've had, um, I forgot about the Jansen injury to be totally honest with you. Uh, but I haven't wanted to watch preseason since then, right? It was such a, it was such a devastating blow. I think the team felt it. Uh, the fans definitely felt it. I mean, Chris Thompson was in tears, literally like that's how much the team felt it. Right. Exactly. The next day when he was giving that interview in, in tears, you know, I think that group in general is pretty close. Yep. Um, and you know, Gruden obviously has to mask his emotions, but even he came out and said, you know, these are starting to take a toll on me, these injuries. Uh, I think the team loved him, the fans loved him, and it's 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 led to to you know where we are today, which is <laughs> a hodgepodge of of our running back group. So it's really funny because if you look at it, like there were a few mock drafts with that had some basis where initially on they had Geis at thirteen with the Redskins pick, and there was the connections. I think like Geis even had dinner at the, at the infamous Morton's that, you know, Danny takes everybody to and rest in. Like there was that one thing and Doug Williams was there and Doug Williams knew him from like the Louisiana connection thing. And people were starting to say like, Hey, the Redskins can legitimately take him at 13. And obviously they, they didn't, they, you know, if you now can go back and connect the dots, they had their eye on Duran Payne all along, literally from like February, January, even, but that notwithstanding, it's like, okay, but did you think like, all right, you're not going to get him into the second round, but a, not only did they get him in the second round, but B they moved from 44 to 59. And because of some bullshit bogus rumor about some, whatever horseshit, you know, pers- like personality thing, he was still available. And the thing is, is like, if you really look at like the fan attention and like the adoration and stuff, and maybe because he's a running back, like we were starting to treat guys like our first round pick and almost like pain, like our second round pick, even though it was vice versa. Like that's the attention, the spotlight he was getting, but rightfully so like we weren't hyping him up. It's because he was that damn talented. And yeah, I mean, even, you know, when Geis and, and Fournette were at LSU together and Fournette used to say like, you know, yeah, this guy has a little more talent than I do. I disagree, but I'm a huge Leonard Fournette fan. That's why I disagree. Um, but then I was standing, but yeah, it, it was just, and going back to the John Jansen thing, John Jansen is one of my all time favorite Redskins. So that's why it just, that one really stuck out in my mind. Um, but now to your, to your point, I mean, it, it just it creates this enormous disaster. And then you add on this with the signing of Adrian Peterson, which I, I'm very, very like tepid on i know people are some people are like all right remember adrian peterson is i think he's 32 or 33 i can't remember what it is so look it up but some people are still thinking like hey you know we got a 1500 yard running back and i mean there's a reason why he's on his third team in you know in in 10 months or whatever it is you know i do know and you know i i have mixed emotions about ap um i believe he's 33 um his last good year was what two years ago maybe i think yeah um 2015, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I mean, as early as Monday morning, I, you know, I'm, you know, I was talking to my Redskins friends and we were all in agreement stay as far away from AP as possible. And then we signed him and obviously it creates a little bit of an uproar within the uh, fan base, which, you know, if he does have something left in the tank, you know, great. If all he, all he needs to do is average three yards of carry and just get the tough yards. That's all I really want him to do. Um, but I, you know, the overlooked thing with AP is you know, with the baggage he carries. He's old. He's you know, he's 
kind of the douchebag for lack of a better term. Um, you know, I'm not excited about it. And then by the end of this podcast, I'll probably be hyping him up for a thousand yards. I don't know what to think of him. Um, you know, I'm, I am like super excited that we have someone that, you know, probably can get that one yard. I go back to that saints game again. I don't like P Ryan because of that game. Um, but you know, it's, it's hard. You know, I, I'd love to get your take from it. Cause I've heard a bunch, haven't heard from you, you know, either through email text or even Twitter. Um, sounds like you're not toward leaning towards him. Uh, I think it's an okay signing <laughs> strictly based off what we're paying him. basically nothing. Um, and if he does have something left in the tank, it's a huge upside, but you know, I'd love to get your take. Basically we have three running backs that are same. One's a bona fide former superstar. One's kind of a, you know, out of nowhere guy from Tulane. I think that's where fat Rob went. Yep. And then we have P Ryan. Who's like this fourth round back who, you know, people like me are ready to give up on. So I don't really know how he fits. So first of all, and I'm going to address one of the points you made earlier. You made a great pull in the fat Rob in the green Bay game. That was the last time we've seen him. I've tried. I love the little engine that could undrafted free agent, you know, fat Rob because he's got a fat heart, not because he's fat, fat. I love that. I am officially ready to call fat Rob as just a guy. In fact, he might be two steps below just a guy. Like I've had enough of the fat Rob experience, Rob. I love what you've done for this team. You're, you know, appreciate it. Everything like that enough with fat Rob. He is not even just a guy, just a guy might be a little bit of a compliment at this point. And I think it was uh, whatever the last preseason, the game against the jets. Like I, I watched and he had one halfway decent run after that. I'm just like enough. I'm so sick of watching one and a half yards. Every goddamn carry he gets the ball. And I'm like, yeah, I'm enough, enough of that. Samaj P Ryan, I'm starting to call him Matt Jones 2.0 because he, he is another, and it's so frustrating because I still, you know, I'm old enough to date. Like I still vaguely, vaguely remember the eighties, definitely remember the nineties. And I'm like power running, you know, give me a running back. Who's going to inflict his will on the opposing team. And Samaj AP runs another, looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. It's so fucking frustrating. Like he tiptoes to the line. I'm like, you're 230 pounds and you can lift an actual car. Why are you so like, why are you so timid running to the line of scrimmage? You should be hurting people. You should be the second coming of Jerome Bettis. And instead you tiptoe to the line. And unless it's like you can drive a truck through it, he doesn't actually burst and get those hard yards. So, you know, I'm not in love with either of these two, but you know, when my friends started to, you know, as soon as the Peterson signing became official, one of the guys on my group me thread, he was joking about, you know, how high is Adrian Peterson going to go in our fantasy football draft? And I was saying, like, look, anytime you can get a running back where average 1.9 per yards per carry in three of the last six games of the season, you have to do it. You know, 1.9 yards. Like that's, he, he went to Arizona and he had like 130 yards. I think it was against San Francisco before pre Jimmy Garoppolo. He had like a 130 yard game. And then over the next few games, he was averaging like 1.2, 1.9, some stupid numbers. And I'm like, and I feel like that's what's going to happen here that like, for instance, the Colts game in week two, I could totally see him ripping off 130 in that game. Everyone's going to be like, oh, we got 1500 yard Adrian Peterson back. And then I'm afraid that we're going to have five more games of 1.9 yards per carry. That's what my entire thing is that because like we're going to, we have, I mean, the Redskins better win their first two games of the season. We'll talk more about the schedule at some other point because otherwise it's going to get ugly fast because the rest of the schedule is tough. So, you know, I could see him doing really well early on. There's, te- you know, there's gas in the tank. But after that, like, there's a reason he's on the street. Yeah, you know, I think I was um, – I don't know if you watch training camp daily. I, I turn it on when I get home a lot of times from work. Uh, but I thought 
Brian Mitchell, who, you know, he, he runs his mouth, he talks a lot, but he, he brought up a fairly good point, I thought. Um, and a friend of mine today actually brought this up. But Peterson signing people were like, you know, where did it come from? You know, literally hours before he even signed people. Even Schefter came on and said he wasn't going to sign. Yep. Um, but, I, I mean, how are you not surprised? The point you made, look, look at what we averaged at the end of last year. Um, the second point is, like, they've been trying to address this for a long time now. Um, you know, we tried to get Matt Jones. He was terrible. P Ryan came in, didn't really do much, didn't move the needle. Uh, we drafted guys for a specific reason. Then of course, Gruden comes out and says, we like the guys we, we have in house. If you like the guys in house, the, the smoke around guys would never have popped up. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm not surprised. I'm a little surprised they didn't go after Darkwa or even Jamal Charles because they're a little different than R- Kelly or P Ryan. Uh, but I think it comes down to, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but we were arguably the worst team in football at 30 short last year. Oh, we had to have been. If we're not the worst, we're the, among the top three. Good Lord, we were horrific on the third and short and fourth and short situations. Oh, my God. And I, like, I honestly think Gruden got so frustrated that he just said, give me a back. He's going to put his head down, to your point, not tiptoe around the line. Might not work every time, but he's at least going to give it everything he's got. Uh, and when he can sign for literally no guaranteed money, that's going to happen. Three of the last six games. So he, uh, so excuse me, it was Tampa. I misspoke. Um, and against Arizona, when he first came against Arizona, he played Tampa Bay. Not exactly a bastion of defense. This isn't Tony Dungy's uh, Buccaneers. Twenty six for one thirty four and two touchdowns. Five and a half, five point one five yards per carry. Great, awesome, huge numbers, wonderful. Right. Next game, one point nine one. Then he had the big game, the one I was remembering correctly against the Niners. After that, one point three eight yards per carry, one point eight six yards per carry. And these aren't like, you know, on like, you know, three carries and the numbers are skewed. 11 carries, 21 carries, and 14 carries in those games. Now, I get the adage that he is a running back, that, you know, he gets lathered up and he gets better on 15 through 25 and so forth and so on. Fine. But uh, Mark Bullock, Redskins Insider for the Post, friend of the Hill to the District podcast, if you go back, he tweeted out this moment or like, you know, his film breakdowns that he does. And he was basically saying, look, Peterson has a distinct skill set. And this has kind of been the thing about him that, you know, people get overlooked because the fact he ran for 1,800 to 2,000 yards consistently or 1,400 plus is that he has a very specific scheme that he does excel within. And if you kind of take him outside of that scheme, he's not necessarily the same guy. And um, Gruden's scheme, while similar, is not exactly what fits Peterson's forte. And so that's another thing that, like, you – I get it that like there's options are slim and there's not a whole lot to talk about at the moment, but you're jamming a little bit of a square peg in a round hole here. And I think, you know, I, I fully recognize the fact that I'm counting on 550 yards and maybe four to five touchdowns this year total from Peterson. That's if he breaks 700 yards rushing, I consider that a gift from God. That's, that's, that's how I'm looking at it. There's no chance in God's green earth or less than a what 5% chance to me that he's going to be even close to 2015 Adrian Peterson. I don't think he needs to be. Um, I honestly think he is going to have to. Yeah. Um, you know, not to, to beat this topic to a dead horse, but I mean, I'm playing a little devil's advocate here um, just for the sake of it because I tend to agree with you, but for just for sake of argument, he was taking the ball last year from Drew Stanton and uh, Blaine Gabbert. Like, no yep. one's – Fair point. No, no one's – I mean, we played Blaine Gabbert last year. That dude is awful. <laughs> I mean, give me John Beck over that guy. Um, you know, so I agree. I, I mean, if I get 500 yards out of him, fine. Could be, right now, Capri Bibbs uh, makes more money than he does. Whatever, you know. Uh, we can cut him basically at any time. 
I'm okay with the signing. I, you know, I don't, I'm not a big fan of what's going on with him off field stuff, but if you can get him, if he, if he can win us one game, you know, it's a cherry on top. So to the Capri Bibbs point, you bring that up. Maybe I just got, you know, I fell in love with the dumpster diving we were doing at the end of the season, the running back, but I was kind of like, why don't we just roll with Fat Rob, P. Ryan, and Capri Bibbs entering the season? And then if you realize, okay, we really suck at running the football, I'm pretty sure Peterson would have still been there, and you could have given him a game or two to kind of, you know, get himself in game shape. But I would have rather gone with the guys that we had. But, you know, I could dead, I, I could very well be proven wrong. In fact, frankly speaking, as I said, or as you said, you know, I hope I'm proven wrong that, you know, he turns out to be even – you know, shit, 65% of what he was, because that is better than the guys we have in-house. I mean, like I said, I really hope Samaj P. Ryan turns into a big bruising back, but even I think the fact that the Redskins invested a fourth-round pick in him in 2017 and were, and, and Doug Williams was telling anybody who had a pulse that we got to get a power running back, we got to get a running back moves the chains, I think that's a huge indictment of P. Ryan. Yeah, I mean, for for the former part of this, I'm a huge Bibbs fan here. I agree with you. I think we should roll with him. I forget who he was playing last last year when he hit that big home run. That was like a 40-50 yard touchdown. It might have been Denver, but if don't hold me to that. Yeah, and I think you actually might be right. Um, I'm all for it. Um, but I, you know, I, I know what Williams says. I don't really trust anything that is said coming out of um, Washington uh, or Ashburn, I guess is technically where they are. Um, but I guess, you know, you know, good for P. Ryan. He's, he is what he is, but I, at the end of the day, I just I think he's so meh that he can't really catch. He tiptoes. You know, you got to – to me, I, I roll with Bibbs. I roll with, I roll with Kelly, see what Peterson's got, and then just hope for the best. Yeah. And I think the real wrinkle in all of this was that um, – uh, you know, we're kind of overlooking. So we could make the argument very easily that until he was lost for the season, Chris Thompson was the offensive MVP of this team last year. Like he was a beast. I mean, just incredible. Um, Thompson has said that he's, not, and everyone's basically said that he's not anywhere close to 100% right now. Like, so we can't say like, well, we got Chris Thompson coming back, you know, we'll be okay there. Like, no, no, he's not, he's, we're maybe getting again, 65% of Chris Thompson. I think that is a major storyline and um, hopefully all the other pieces, which we'll, you know, discuss more in depth, like we'll, we'll kind of help make up for that, but it's not, I just think, you know, this is a thing that's going to be kind of ongoing throughout the course of the season and any help we can get will be great. But um, yeah, I mean, it's even not even like you can count on Chris Thompson, the third down situations, he'll be good. And maybe, towards October, November, although who gets healthy during the course of the season, but maybe he'll be closer to 80, 85% of him. But I feel like this is going to be something that's going to limit him for the majority of the season. And we might even not see peak Chris Thompson until, frankly speaking, 2019. Yeah. I mean, to, to kind of riff on Thompson real quick, that guy's injury history is crazy. Oh yeah. He's broken his back. He's torn his, his back. Leg. He, he, I mean, I don't know what bones he broke last year in the Saints game, but he basically tore his leg up again. Um, the fact that he's even playing football is, is pretty astonishing to me. Um, Absolutely. But you're probably right. He probably doesn't get back. I mean, he's not playing. He's already been ruled out for, for Friday, um, along with um, Porcelain Doll, Jordan Reed. Um, but, you know, if we, can get, if we can get him back by October and we can somehow survive the first two games of the year, uh, you know, I, I like where we are. Um, I just I can't believe that guy's still playing football. 
No, he, that, especially because he's not the biggest guy in the world. I mean, he, I don't, I, he's maybe a cheeseburger over 200 pounds, maybe, but absolutely. I mean, that guy's been through hell and back in terms of the medical history and yeah. somehow still doing it. Yeah. Well, let's switch gears here for a second. I'm, I'd be curious to, um, to switch topics. Is, I mean, we could talk about the running backs clearly for a very long time. Yep. Um, one, of the, one of the things you and I have discussed is the secondary and whether or not you think it's more of a strength or whether or not you think it's more of a weakness. Um, I think our top guys are very good. I get terrified if any of them go down. Yep. Um, so know, knowing that, we'd love to, you know, we got, you know, Fabian Moreau's coming back. Swearinger's obviously back back there. I think Everett's a great, um, Deshaun Everett is a great special teams guy. After that, it's kind it's of a – It's very thin. It's thin, right? You know, I'm a huge Quinn Blanding fan. I'm a UVA guy. Got yeah, I was going to say, he went to UVA. And there's, there's, there it is. He, he was, he was, he was well-liked there too. Yeah, and he's a Virginia Beach kid. So for me, yeah. I'm all in. Seven five seven. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, we drafted Troy. How do you? I don't even know how to name. Apke. I think it's Apke. Yeah, um, I, that position terrifies me. I don't know if you uh, have any thoughts on it, but that position in particular terrifies me. So, it, yeah, I, I mean, and it should. In fact, if you really want to make the argument, like until. Geist blew out his knee. Like the, the secondary was really the only major question that we had, but emphasis on major question. Now running back again, unfortunately, but we've already beat that horse. Um, all right, so you got Norman Dunbar are the starters. They really like Donnie. Everyone's talking him up. I mean, everyone loves him there. I mean, shit, I think it was Will Blackman, like former Redskin Will Blackman was tweeting, like, Dunbar's awesome. Like, you know, anyone talking shit about him has no idea. So, okay, that's great. Like, I'm, I'm all about that. The you know, we ranted about that about it plenty when it happened, but I think the Kendall Fuller thing is going to come back and really hurt them because I think people tend to underlook the fact that like, oh, it's your third corner. No, in today's NFL, like the nickel spot, like so many teams are starting to do what they hide their their number one receiver actually in the slot, or they they train the receivers to play more out of the slot. And your nickel corner in some cases actually kind of has to be one of your best corners or one of your more athletic corners. Now to that point, Moreau is actually like a physical, like he's awesome. Six five, two hundred five. I mean six oh, excuse me, two hundred five pounds. Um, four three five forty guy. I mean, he's like he's chiseled, he's he's twitchy, he's fast, he's got all this awesome stuff. But he's still raw as hell. And going to the Homer thing, Fuller's a Virginia Tech guy, and they're all instinct, they're all ball hawk type of guys. They might get burned for 50. God bless Bud Foster. They might get burned for 50 more often than not. But at the same time, if the ball's in the air, they will they're taught to go after it. And I mean, all of Fuller and his four other brothers were kind of like that. Although Will Fuller, the older, was more of a was a safety. But um, Moreau, like he can grow into it and they really like him clearly, but I think he doesn't have the instincts to play nickel right away. He could grow into it again. Um, he also might be a little big to play the corner, but that's not necessarily the case. I mean, if you're athletic, you can do it. Um, but then after that, man, like, so let's say they keep five cornerbacks who, who, who rounds it out. Like you have, Strowman, who was a seventh round pick this year, Holsey, who I believe was a seventh round last year, and then Adonis Alexander, who's a supplemental draft guy. I mean, he's been here for a cup of coffee so far. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Strowman and Alexander are both Hokies too, aren't they? Yes. Yep. We the Virginia Tech and the Alabama connection is very uh tight, which quite ironically and completely coincidentally, I'm in a Virginia Tech guy. My wife is an Alabama alone alumna. So whatever. I wish I could talk shit on Virginia Tech, but as a UVA fan, <laughs> I'm gonna leave that be. Um, <laughs> at least until January. Right. Yeah. Then you have the rights again. 
Yeah, then we can talk about UMBC in a different different world. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I think I think Dunbar, like he's one of my personal favorite Redskins. One because he picks off Eli Manning all the time. Um, two, Fuck Eli Manning. Gotta hate Eli Manning. <laughs> exactly. Um, two, he. I mean, he's an undrafted wide receiver, and now he's starting a cornerback. I think. Yeah. I think that speaks a little bit to, to Jay and developing and keeping knowledge. Um, but, you know, I think you're right about Moreau. I'm very excited about Moreau. I think, I think he kind of made Fuller a little expendable. Um, and I would, I would trade a slot corner for, you know, a quarterback like Smith probably 10 times out of 10, um, even though I was mad about it at the time. Um, you know, but from there to your, to your question, I don't really know what they're going to do, right? So Holsey yeah. is, is from Louisville. He, I think he's from Louisville. Um, he's, he's, they're all kind of similar molds. They're like these freak, really are. freak of nature athletes, but none of them have really played in the NFL or were like, you know, had the talent in, in college, but never really lived up to it at the same time. Um, I know the team is high on Alexander. I, I don't think you draft someone in the supplemental draft if you're not high on him. Um, that said, I don't think he's on the roster this year. I think they rounded out with uh, Stroman. I think they keep the seventh rounder. Um, Holsey, if I, he may be on pup right now, um, but you know he. I think they keep him eventually coming off that. Um, so I, I see them keeping five. I don't think Alexander makes it. I actually think they're going to use that um, position somewhere else, and I think it actually might be safety um, because I don't think you can rely on Apke as, as someone who actually is playing. Now he's played well. He's got a pick in the preseason. Um, you know, he's, he's shown some instinct. That was, a, that was a tip drill pick. Yeah. Hey, right place, right time. Right. Uh, hopefully you can add something to, to, to teams, but I think, you know, someone like fifth Smith, uh, what's his name? Smith, Fish Smithson. Uh, or Quinn Blanding, you know, yep. these guys are grinders. They're, they're very good for special teams. So I think that's like, I think to flip them the coin a little bit, but you know, whether it's an extra safety or extra corner, whoever's the best special teams player, that's who you keep. Yeah, so I think I completely agree with Apke. I think he's a team's guy. And I'm not just saying this because he's a white safety, but he reminds me a lot of Matt Bowen, although he's much more athletic than Matt Bowen was. But he's just that you use the word appropriately grinder type of guy. I think he might grow into it, but like, I mean, everyone was, he got, he pushed up to the fourth round. I thought it was the worst reach. It was the worst, like the Redskins, in my opinion, had an a draft this year, like an A, and I don't ever say that. I'm I tend to be a cynicist more than anything else. And they had an A draft this year, and Apke is the only blemish why you wouldn't even call it an A plus because the fourth round was just a little too rich on him. But, yeah, but Nicholson year, was a fourth rounder, and he was a reach. Who knows? Yeah, no, completely right. I I hated the Nicholson pick last year, and I'm no, so happy it. to be wrong. Uh, um, yeah. he, he's so. I mean, if if you compare him to Matt Bowen. If he can combine his just his athletic gifts with Matt Bowen's brain, yes, I'm all in. So if that's the comparison, and that's if we can figure out somehow to form that little connection, I'm all in. Um, I, I think the numbers game is interesting. Good. Get Reed out of here. As long as he's not Reed Dowdy, I don't really care. Oh God, no. Reed Dowdy was he was a stiff. I don't think that the that that's going to happen. The numbers game is going to be interesting. I, I think so. First, I was actually really shocked when they said like Adonis Alexander is like a four six high four six forty, and I'm like tech DBs don't like tech DBs are our issues usually is either instinct or like polish. Like we don't teach them good technique, but like they're usually freak show athletes. Like that's that's just what they recruit over there. So the fact that he was a four six guy was a little surprising to me. I mean, knucklehead, I could see that. We've had knuckleheads going back from to D'Angelo Hall, so that's that wasn't entirely shocking, but. Um, so 
there's there's a, a train of thought where they may try to play him at safety. I don't think that's actually going to become a thing, but there was there was a, a passing thought there. Um, so let's say for the sake of argument, you've got uh, Norman, Dunbar, Fabian Moreau, and then a lot of people are predicting that it's probably going to be Stroman and maybe Holsey but, or Alexander, one of those two. So, and then the question becomes, if it's not Alexander, what do you do with him? I don't think you can hide him on the practice squad. Um, Cause I think somebody's going to pick him off and then say, you know, sucks to be the Redskins to, even if it was a six round pick, but to invest in the supplemental draft. So maybe it's an IR thing. In fact, I think that might be the best case. Um, how do you feel? I, I have, I have my pl- plenty of opinions. How do you feel about DJ Swearinger? Um, he's loud. Yeah, that he is. Um, that's a tough question. Uh, I am pro DJ Swearinger. I think he, um, I think he's good. He also may be better than, or maybe worse than I think, just because our safety situation has been so shitty for so long. Yep. Competency is like, I'm all for it. Um, that said, he is, he is, he is too loud. You know, I, I, I wish he would tone it down simply because he's not that good. Um, you know, if he was like Ed Reed, good and be as crazy as you want to be. Um, but I like, I mean, from a leadership standpoint for things like that, I like him. I think he's, I think he's a good player. Um, he, he does actually a fairly good job of recognizing schemes, which I think is critical, especially when you're all the way in the back. Um, I do think he has a bigger head than, than what he really um, provides though. Um, so, I mean, Push comes to shove, I'll take him. I'm not wild about him, but I think, you know, him and Nicholson actually make a pretty good pairing, so I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I a, a lot of similar sentiments. Um, I I have my thoughts. I go back and forth on Swearinger and his mouth and his antics on the field. Like, some of it's great. I love the emotion. I love the leadership. I love a lot of that. I love the quote-unquote swag. I'm, I'm a big fan of a lot of those things. I think he, you said it very well. I think sometimes his his bark is more than his bite, you know, justifies or um, something along those lines of what I'm trying to say, but basically he talks too much for to back it up. Um, going back to Monte Nicholson, man, I couldn't have been more wrong about him. They like a lot of the scouting reports said that like, again, another looks like Tarzan plays like Jane guy. I did not see any Jane in his game last year. Like he was, he was awesome. And the, for the moments that he played, I mean, he was banged up for a lot of last year. That being said, I said this in, during the season, like if it was, if it was entirely up to me and I know the body types are not entirely compar- are comparable, but I think the playing styles are that we would make it our mission. Number one, to find a true center field free safety and then turn Monte Nicholson into our version. Again, it's not as equal comp, but it's a close comp of cam chancellor, not to be a homer again. Yeah. But, another seven, five, seven guy. I'll let it slide. I I think Monte has a very, very similar skill set. I think he's better suited to be a closer down in the box type of hitter guy. I think he has a little bit of those instincts to, you know, kind of roam the field, but drop back in coverage if necessary. I think this team has lacked a true free safety since, I mean, frankly speaking, since Sean Taylor, God rest his soul. We have never actually had a real center fielder back there and it's killed me. I think it's one of the biggest oversights this team's had in, the past decade. And that's what I, I, I would love, but you know, that's all great. I think I agree with your point that if they can do something where Nicholson is more of the single high, which I think he works better. And then Swearinger is more around the line of scrimmage that works best. People tend to overlook the fact that Swearinger has gotten beat deep a little too many times, a few too many times last year. And that's not his forte. Yeah. And maybe this is just me 
basically without Sean Taylor growing up with zero safeties, like Reed Dowdy. Um, but I think back to Bakari Rambo, right? This guy was awful. Um, and he One got, of my favorite Redskins that was absolute atrocious. Yeah, I, mean, I wanted to get his jersey. I wanted to wear the bandana with it the whole night. Absolutely. Uh, but I think, like, we've gotten so used to just our safeties being total shit that we're okay with getting beat deep every once in a while as long as it doesn't happen every down, right? Yeah. I remember I remember, I went to school in, in, uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, I was watching the Monday Night Massacre, basically is what I'm considering calling it, when Vic just torched us. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'm sitting there with all Eagles fans. First play of the game, the ball hasn't even snapped yet, and my, my buddy – turns and he goes, watch Landry take the cheese. Sure enough, play action pass, Deshaun runs right by him, touchdown, right? I mean, it is just astonishing to me how, how these guys get beat so often. And the fact that he did get beat a bunch, but when he's up near the line of scrimmage, he's great. I think back to the uh, Raiders game last year, Nicholson can play that deep ball pretty well. Yeah. Car like right away. Um, so I, th- I think they're okay. I think um, – you know, if someone gets hurt, I think we're kind of screwed. But um, and you're right, we have been missing a safety. I, I have a you know friend of mine on my booze hogs thread that you know jumps up and down about this. But um, you know, all things considered, I think we're okay. Uh, maybe it's just I'm so scarred from watching. Just oh, that's fair. Play. Um, Bakari Rambo was so good at Georgia. How did that flop? Like I'm still mad about that one. He was so good at Georgia. Yeah, well, he he didn't even last when he went to Buffalo. No. No, it wasn't even like bad situation. He just sucked. Like, no, no way to put it. Um, so moving on. So pass secondary is fine. Secondary, a lot of times you can say, well, it's a function of your pass rush, and a pass rush will make it better. Um, I'm a little, a little more bullish on this situation for for some obvious reasons. Um, so the starting the starting outside linebackers and we're just kind of covering the linebacker position there, or the edge rushers, quote unquote. So the group consists of Ryan Kerrigan, Preston Smith, and then Ryan Anderson and Pernell McPhee as kind of the rotation guys. Shout out to daddy Nicholas, former Virginia tech guy. They just signed him like a week ago as a back of the roster training camp body. So good luck to him. He's not going to last, but nonetheless, it's nice to see him there. Um, so you know what you get. Realism aside, you're going to get, or back to realism, you're going to, you know what you're going to get from Ryan Kerrigan. He's close to double digit sacks, if not double digit sacks every year. For instance, last year at 13, um, which is the second highest total of his career. He was tied for third most in the NFL. Last year, he had a half a sack in 10 of 16 games, at least half a sack. A couple of games with double digit sacks. I think the Broncos. Um, I was randomly watching highlights of the game against the Chiefs just because I kind of wanted to see Alex Smith playing against us as a quote-unquote scouting thing, and he was harassing them all game long. So Kerrigan, an awesome season. Um, Preston Smith, I feel, is primed for a big breakout year, and Ryan Anderson hopefully takes the next step forward, and I have no idea if to expect anything from Pernell McPhee. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the Preston Smith piece. Um, I'm going to go into this with uh, a total assumption that by some miracle, both Payne and Allen stay healthy for an entire year. Um, I'm with you on Preston Smith. I'm I'm going to leave Kerrigan alone. I mean, Kerrigan's the man. Let's just leave. He's going to get ten sacks. He's going to play every down. He's going to have a broken hand, and he's still going to be there. Um, when it comes to Smith, Anderson, and McPhee, um, and there's actually a hidden gem here. I want to get to if we can get there. Uh, I think Preston Smith's going to have a huge year. Uh, 
you know, he's had eight sacks two of his first three years. He had two picks last year. Um, I still go back to the pick he had against the Vikings, I think, two years ago. It's just a freak of nature play. Um, you know, he's been close. He disappears at times, which is frustrating, but he does little things. He sets the edge really well. Um, you know, if you get eight sacks out of him, great, especially when Kerrigan's getting 10 to 13. Um, but I, I would put him in – and this is, again, I'm, I'm prefacing this with Allen and, and Payne being healthy. I think he's a double-digit sack guy this year. He's playing for a payday. Yeah. Um, out resigned him. He knows the money's there. I think you're, and apparently, according to Craig Hoffman of 1067 the fan, apparently he's just ripped out of his mind now. Um, so I'm going, I'm bullish on him. I, I think he's 10 plus sacks, a couple turnovers, uh, and, you know, continues to do little things. Uh, Anderson, I'm hopeful he just basically becomes Trent Murphy. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a really good comp for him. Yeah, just like set the edge, get five sacks, five sacks uh, for the year, um, and just, don't mess up, right? Just be a good role player. Uh, and then McPhee, I know like little to nothing about this guy. He was decent for, for the Ravens, but he like really wasn't that good for them. He was still good, not great. You know, it was basically a wash in the, in the Bears. And the only reason why he's on our team, and this is the fun nugget I want to get into eventually, is Gillette just decided not to sign, and now he's still free agent. Um, so, you know, I love, I love Smith. I think he's going to have a big year. Uh, other than that, I think Anderson will be a good role player. Um, shout out to, to Bama. And then uh, from there, you know, hopefully McPhee gives us something. But, like, realistically, I'm, I'm really hopeful. We don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Knees, Go ahead. I was going to say his knees are, are, like, gone. Yeah, there's nothing there. He, every year, I think two years in Chicago, two or three. I mean, he played a few, you know, a handful of games and then he was out for the season. He, he flashed in Baltimore that got him a contract in Chicago. He flashed again in Chicago, but he couldn't consistently tie it together. And I think they were just like, you know, with the whole, they're, you know, going young anyway, rightfully so over there. And then when they drafted Leonard Floyd, they're like, all right, you're not really contributing enough to justify whatever he was making. So that was that. And yeah, I mean, he is a, you know, another dumpster diving, maybe reclamation project type of guy in McPhee. Like if they get five sacks, that's a win. Otherwise it's literally going to cost them next to nothing. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's kind of an afterthought to me. Um, you know, I think you said it earlier, and you've said it to me in the past. I mean, he's a reclamation project, right? He's, he's, he is what he is. Um, if we can get Anderson to, to get to those five sacks, uh, I think the linebacker core itself. And, and, you know, obviously we're sticking mostly to outside linebackers right now. Um, I, think you, I think you end up having a very good pass rush, which, you know, ironically, we had a pretty good pass rush last year. Um, I mean, I'll take 20-plus sacks from your two outside linebackers any day of the week. Absolutely. 21, 21 sacks between the two of them. Yeah, I mean, that's phenomenal, especially in the 3-4. Um, you know, so, so that's why I'm like – that's why I want Anderson to be Trent, Trent Murphy, right? Just, just be a guy uh, that we can count on, don't do steroids, uh, and just be there. And then that way, you know, if McPhee has to play, it's, it's what, five, ten snaps a game. I'm okay with that. Um, because he's not going to last. Yeah. Yeah, I, no, I completely agree. Um, I think Anderson, a little more upside than Trent Murphy, although Trent Murphy did have double-digit sacks before he, he dipped out of here um, or before he blew out whatever it was and then he, and then he left. Um, I don't think Anderson will get to that. 
He was a little bit of a reach, but he was a very McLuhan guy, like quote unquote football player. And that's what everyone in Alabama said about him. And he was a, he's just a dog in terms of the way he plays. Like he, that's just, he plays angry. He plays pissed off. He's a guy you don't want to mess with in a dark alley. Like that's just Ryan Anderson's game. But as far as like having one particular polished skill set, no, not really. He's just country strong and ornery, which I'm fine with. That's, that, that's, that's exactly what I would want a linebacker in many cases. Do you think we go, uh, do you think, just hypothetically, do you think Junior Gallette is on the roster at some point here? No, for two reasons. Number one, I think he's going to end up somewhere. Like, this isn't about the other team, the league necessarily, but, like, the Rams have no edge pass, pass rushers, the Los Angeles Rams. Like, they have nothing. Seattle, it, which are two teams that he's been linked to in terms of free agent visits lately, they're a joke. Like, they're, that team and is inside. I'm going to write about this in my NFL preview I think if Seattle, like if you, if you took the Seattle Seahawks as they are today and you replace Russell Wilson with like Eli Manning, I think the Seattle, I think Seattle will win two games this year. Like that's how trash I think they are. Um, so that now we're saying they need help too. So I feel like someone's going to sign him and two, I feel like our front office is petty and spiteful enough that they won't sign junior Colette because that was a bet that McLuhan made. Yeah. Well, Hey, I hope my in-laws do not listen to this because they are big Seahawks fans. Uh, and two, uh, I agree. I, I, I don't think he's going to come here, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I think Bruce just hates him. Uh, and if Bruce hates you, see ya. Uh, that guy is most – I mean, we can take that offline. I hate Bruce Allen. Um, that's and, a podcast in and of itself, man. I mean, yeah. yeah that's no a disagreement there. Um, yeah, so I think the linebackers are good. Um, you know, I'll, I'll switch gears a little bit on us um, as we go through this because I feel like we're in agreement there around the pass rushing. Yep. Into to the receivers, um, if that's the route you want to go here, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Offense. Um, talk about a mixed bag, right? Like, yeah. potential, literally have no idea if it's going to be good or not. Um, you know, in the past, we've kept five. Um, I, there's always – I feel like every time around – or uh, every time this year it's like, we're probably going to keep six and then we keep five, but there's always that potential for the sixth receiver. Uh, and then Doug Williams comment around Sims um, coming in, uh, Cam Sims coming in, throwing a hand grenade into the, into the, uh, to the mix. Cause he's been, you know, sound for that. If he doesn't drop that ball, he's a lock. Oh yeah. So, you know, how many are we keeping? Who are we keeping outside of the, you know, the doctor Doxon's going to be in there. Crowd is going to be in there. Um, you know, Richardson's going to, be the wannabe Deshaun Jackson, then who we got? Yeah. Yeah. The early favorites. I mean, you touched on it. The early favorites are going to be always open. Mr. Irrelevant Trey Quinn. Um, I think because they invested the draft pick in him, it's hard to see him not making the roster, even if he was literally the 256th or whatever guy it was in the draft. Um, and then, so let me, let's take one step back. So Dotson Crowder and Richardson guaranteed locks. I think Mo Harris, definitely. I don't want to sip the Kool-Aid too much, but I really like Mo Harris. Like if, if Harris overtook one of the starting spots over Paul Richardson, I would be 0.0% surprised. I am very mixed bag on Paul Richardson and we can touch on that a little bit, but if he to overtook that, I wouldn't be the slightest bit surprised. Um, I am a huge Josh Dawson apologist. I will still fight for him. I will still fight. A, it was the right pick. B, he was talented as all get out. C, he's had just a bad string of 
luck to start off. And that doesn't mean he's injury prone or anything. The Malcolm Kelly, Devin Thomas comparisons are ridiculous. Um, didn't have any issues coming out of college. It wasn't Malcolm Kelly where he had wet Kleenexes for knees and literally the entire NFL flagged him. No, I mean, Dotson would have gone at 24 if we didn't take him at 22 uh, and Minnesota wouldn't have taken Laquan Treadwell. Like that's just, you know, the, those, those comparisons are stupid. Um, so I'm, I'm still very strongly holding out on the Josh Dotson thing. I think Jamison Crowder, if I had to put my money on who's going to have the biggest year among the Redskins, I think Crowder is going to have a huge year. I really like him. Um, and then, so Harris, I think it's the fourth spot. Like I said, I think Harris could, if it, if he took over, overtook Richardson, wouldn't be surprised. So that leaves one guy left and, or maybe two, if you go six. And if it is two, I think it's Trey Quinn and Cam Sims. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on the Mo Harris comparison. I, you know, I was calling for Harris all last year, um, simply just to return punts, just because I know he'll catch the ball um, and not fumble it uh, like Crowder will. Look at the catch against it was against Minnesota, right? The one hander in the corner of the end zone. Yeah, I mean it was it was up for catch of the year. It was an incredible catch. Yeah, uh, you know I think Richardson. You know, for, uh, you know, sorry to everyone listening. We're we're in a ton of agreement here. Um, you know, Richardson is he's he's got forty million reasons to stay in the stay in the starting lineup. So if Harris does overtake him in his first year. I think it's a very good sign that Gruden's like the guy and he's playing talent. Don't think it'll happen, but. I'm like, anytime Harris is on the field, I know he's going to run. He's like, he's like a better version of Ryan Grant, right? Yes. You know, Gruden's going to get there and be like, yeah, he runs a great route. Um, and literally every time Grant caught the ball, side note, I literally yelled, you know, runs great routes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but for, for Harris, that, that's who he is. But he also catches everything uh, within his catch radius. Um, you know, Richardson, I, I, all I want from him is like five home run balls. Um, you know, five 40 yard plus touchdowns where he can take the top off just to put the thought in the defensive mind. Um, I, you know, I'm, it's interesting to pair him with Smith because I know Smith went deep more last year, but you know, we'll, you know, I'm very curious to see how uh, that works and if Smith's going to be reluctant to take some of those shots. But I do think one that because of who our quarterback now being Smith, I do think Crowder is going to have a huge year. Um, you know, he's had 800 plus yards, I think two straight seasons. Um, he's another guy contract year. Um, turns out that class ended up being pretty good. Uh, and you know, I think he's, I think he's got a chance for the thousand yards. Um, I really, really, really do. Plus he's so good once the ball's in his hands. Um, and Gruden loves throwing him second and long quick screens, let Trent get in front and just go. Um, that brings me. You know, lastly to Doxon, uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm a Doxon apologist as well. I, you know, the talent, you just think about the catch against the Chiefs last year, the catch he had against the Saints, and you're just like, holy hell, this guy could be so good if he could just stay in the field. Raiders game. Yeah, and just the first the first thing is in the first drive of the first half, if I'm not mistaken, or was it the first? Uh, yeah, second, first the first, first half. Oh, the second half. Sorry, yeah, he went right over top of Amerson too, which was yep. just, just that was great. Um. But for, for me, I think he just needs someone to trust him. Like Cousins, for as great as he was here, and, and whether you like Cousins or not, he, he played well, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we can table that conversation another time, but I just don't think he trusts Doxon at all. Um, the amount of times Doxon would be open or, like, if he, he could be thrown open. Um, so I'm excited to see what Smith can do because that's kind of Smith's forte. He throws his receivers open. Um, so I, I have hopes for all of them. Uh, I love Harris. If I had to pick uh, my, my two guys, I'm with you on Quinn. Seems like a Gruden guy. 
Uh, And I mean, I really wish we could stash Sims on the practice squad, but it ain't going to happen. No way. No, he's gotten too exposed. I think he forces his way onto the roster. Yeah. Dark horse guy. He was really good projected to be like a fifth or sixth round pick. Simi Cobbs out of Indiana. Um, he was a quiet undrafted free agent signing big guy. He didn't get drafted because I think he ran like a four seven. So he's obviously not the fastest guy in the world, but he's a good receiver. I believe he was at Indiana. Um, was supposed to be like a mid day three pick, but obviously didn't get drafted. Um, I would hope he gets dra- stashed as a practice squad guy. I don't have a ton of hope for him, but like, you know, Marcus Colston made a career out of being a four seven guy and Simi Cobbs is a similar Bill, I'm not saying it's going to be Marcus Colston, but he's a similar similar type of guy. So one guy to keep a note out there for, although you've heard literally nothing about him through the preseason, so I could be way yeah, off on he this. Torched, he torched Ohio State in the opening uh, weekend of college football. He had like, yeah. he had like 108 yards received. Yeah, he's, he's good, but like you know, like I said, he's just the numbers weren't in his favor. Um, yeah, yeah. And then we'll cover the last topic for this part of the preview. Moving on to another part of the offense where there's some upside mixed bag. You, you, you put it well. Um, you have the offensive line. And specifically, I kind of want to drill down into the interior of the offensive line. And I think of all the positions on the team that were question marks, this one kind of got talked about the least. I mean, we talked a lot about it leading up to the draft. And after the draft, when it didn't get addressed, we're like, all right, whatever. But the interior of the offensive line, specifically left guard and center, you have Sean Laval, and I'm going to get plenty into that one in a second, and Chase Roulier. Um, Chase Roulier is the third center this team has had in three years. It's kind of been a hodgepodge position for us, so great. And then Sean Laval is on my Mount Rushmore, although I should say top 10 list of least favorite Redskins of all time. He's, he's right up there with Brandon Merriweather and Corey Lichtensteiger and, and Mike Rumpf and those guys. That, that's, that's how much I dislike Sean Laval. Noted. Um, yeah, I, I don't like dislike him that much, but of all the linemen, he's definitely the one that frustrates me the most. Um, you know, Rudy is, is – he's already banged up, and he yep. missed the game last year – I know Gruden and Callahan are both high on him, um, but one thing, even though he did get hurt last year, one thing I liked about Long was you could kind of already count on him. Maybe yep. it was because it was the guard mentality of him. He was already kind of just getting his ass beat every game anyway. Um, I'm with you. I'm worried about this. Uh, I love Scherf. Like, you know, we talk about interior line, but let's let's start with the fact that we may have we maybe have the best right guard in the league. Um, oh yeah. And if he's not, he's top three for sure. I get an attitude with anyone who doesn't call Sheriff a top five guard. Like I get legitimately angry. As you should. I mean, he just, I mean, I could watch him pancake people on YouTube all day. All day. Him running the, running down screens and like destroying smaller linebacker safeties and corners. is just a thing of beauty. It's, it is beautiful. And he, and he's just, he's just, he seems like an offensive line. Yep. Um, you know, from there, Laval is, you know, we kind of had to re-sign him. Because we didn't have any options, yeah. Zero options. You know, I was listening to, to Trent Williams talk the other day, and they asked him about him. He was like, yeah, I love having him there. You know, it was, it was a little bit of a Seinfeld yada, yada, yada moment. Um, he, he sucks. I just, there's just no other way to, to, to describe him. You know, my, my best hope is he just stays healthy and doesn't screw up too much. For a guy that big and strong, I've never seen someone who looks like he's playing football on ice skates. Yeah, he literally 
He literally gets bull- – who was he playing? We were playing the Cardinals, I think, two years ago. Yo, and- yeah, yeah. Calais Campbell ate his lunch and owned his soul. Yeah, Campbell obviously is a pro bowler, one of the best D linemen in football. 100%. But, like, literally Cousins couldn't even take a three-step drop. No. Because Laval was just, to your point, getting put on skates. Um, I think the I think the success of the offense, though, does come back a little bit to, to uh, what's his name, Chase uh, uh, Rie. You know, I think a lot of the uh, offensive line calls obviously come from him, but I think having Smith there is actually going to relieve a little bit. of. Oh, for sure. He's not going to have to worry about that as much, uh, but he has got to stay healthy. If he's as good as Gruden and Callahan think he is, and they both are pretty high on him from at least lip service to the to the media, then I think we'll be okay. Uh, but, you know, behind him you got uh, Bergstrom. Is that his name? Yep. Uh, I mean, that guy's terrible too. Um, so, like, it's another position similar to the to the back end of the secondary. It's another position we can't really afford an injury. Um, and I don't think we know who our backups are going to be yet. I, I, the guys they have in there, we know who they are. Um, they're not that good other than um, Ty Naseki. Like, we really don't know who any of our backups are. Uh, you mean so you're, not, you're, not, you're not big on Tyler Catalina wine mixer? No. I mean, other than the, other than the it's the fucking Catalina wine mixer, no. Uh, but, you know, I, I think there's an offensive lineman that's going to get cut that we're going to go get. Um, and it's, I hope so, because it's dire straits in that, in that position. It's the third highest chopper leasing event on the West Coast. <laughs> that movie I watched it like two nights ago. <laughs> um, so interesting thing about the about how good he is. So I didn't even realize this. I was kind of doing some research before the season started. Pro Football Focus at the end of the season had Rulier like as an average, like league average tight end. In fact, they had him as a top twelve center in pass blocking. He was not quite as good as run blocking, which doesn't really help us in this case. Um, but they actually like he has upside and. Um, and pro football focus, again, a lot of people have issues with their rankings. I actually tend to be a, a fan of their work, um, but I'm kind of one of those people that I think the analytics world of NFL is still being explored more and more as it should be. Um, you know, I, I, they, they were actually very high on him and thought like his selection, I believe he was a sixth round pick out of Wyoming was like one of the steals of the draft and they really liked him. So again, take that for what it's worth. Um, I think the really interesting scenario when it comes to Rulier is that in tying back to our thoughts about Dotson is that in the 2016 draft, it was pretty well known that McClellan really, really wanted Ryan Kelly from Alabama, um, the center, all American center, who was awesome. He's going to be a pro bowler for Indianapolis very, very soon. But I think it was four, four, three or four picks before the Redskins were up. um, The Colts snagged Kelly, one of the, actual halfway decent picks that Grigson made with the Colts. And then McLuhan just went straight BPA and took Dotson, even though everybody was saying we should have taken someone else, um, present company included, although I did really like Dotson in that draft. But, and then they kind of all ladders down from there. And that's why I said we've been starting the Corey Lichtensteigers of the world. I, I get why they didn't bring back Spencer Long. They didn't want to pay the price, but it's like I would have been a lot more certain or a lot more comfortable if they did. Yeah, it's just, I think... For, for Gruden, I think he has so much trust in Callahan. He, I think he really thinks he can just put people in there. Yeah. Gruden already is the kind of guy that's like, hey, give me some backyard football guys. Give me Capri Bibbs, and I'll, I'll make them good. Um, he's got a little bit of an attitude like that, um, which I love. But at the same time, when we're talking about the most important position in football, which is any, anything slash lineman, um, like you've got to win the, that, that line of scrimmage. Um, it's, it's scary. You know, I, you mentioned uh, – what's his name? Uh, who we taking in the third round? Christensen? Um, Jaron Christensen this year, yeah. 
you know, I, I would have loved to, with knowing we had Naseki, I would have loved to to grab a guard or, or you know, someone with a little bit of nasty in them. Um, but, you know, it is, it is, it is what it is. We're, we're going to roll with what we have and, um, you know, pretty guy with Cal. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I was in the second round of the draft this year. I was really praying. I, I knew it was a fat chance, and it was very, very unlikely. But Will Hernandez from UTEP, who is a monster, and he's going. Yeah. I hate the fact that the Giants got him, and he's going to solidify the help solidify that offensive line. He is a monster. He's a. I mean, that is a certified badass. And I was hoping he could maybe fall to us. Obviously, it didn't happen. Um, a kind of very similar thought. I thought the fact that we're giving, I believe we're giving Richardson on average, it obviously doesn't work that way. We're giving him $8 million per year. If you threw that money at a Justin Pugh or a Josh Sitton, I mean, I know Sitton's like 33 or 34 himself, who got about eight or nine in free agency themselves, like I kind of would have been okay with that instead of throwing $8 million a year at, at Paul Richardson. Obviously, I don't make those decisions, but like if you're asking me what's the best use of that money, I would have maybe gone in that direction. Yeah, I mean, I think – you know, I, I think that's a little bit of the '80s coming out in you, right? Like having oh, totally. a badass line. You know, obviously we we are the hogs for that's 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 Redskins football to 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 all of us, even kids born ten years ago. Um, but you know, to to play devil's advocate for a little bit, I think one of the biggest things missing in Gruden's office was that home run threat. That's oh yeah. Um, hopefully it works out, but you're right; it, we're awfully thin. Uh, interiorly within the offensive line. That's why I think, you know, whenever cut down day is, which is like 10 days away or so, uh, you know, I think we'll go get somebody. Yeah, I think we have to. I think we have to. I mean, yeah, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see for sure. Um, so given that, that concludes part one. I think we got through our five storylines for today. We're going to drop part two next week, probably right before cut down day and, and right before the season, like it's time to start really gearing up. So Pat and I will be back to do part two. Um, if you haven't done so already, please make sure you follow us on SoundCloud. Um, leave us some feedback on iTunes or wherever you might get your podcast. And thank you for listening. And until next time, we will talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.